we have this very rigid and tight holding, holding grip on our sense of meanness. I'm not enough. I'm unlovable. I'm not beautiful. With this combination of beliefs and stories and emotions and patterning and energetics that we've held onto from our past, we, we identify and hold onto this pattern as a version of ourselves. And we think that this version of ourselves that we have become is who we really are. Mm-hmm. And the degree to which we hold onto that version of Danikaness or cuteness is the degree to which we're not free. As children, we're born free. You know, you look at a child, they're in touch with the divine. So, you know, we were these bright beings. We would jump on a table and sing and shout. And we were just being, letting it all hang out. We pooped when we felt like pooping. We cried when we felt like, we were just being pure, essential light, the light that we were. Hello, welcome to the Pretty Intense Podcast. Thank you very much for watching. I'm grateful for your attendance, your interest. I hope that these shows teach you things and inspire you. Um, They sure do that to me. So speaking of, today on the show is Coot Blackson. He's a transformational teacher, an international speaker, and an author. His newest book is out called The Magic of Surrender. And we had a deep conversation. I mean, we dropped in really quick with the human experience, the law of mirroring, relationships. I love having those conversations because it's not always very common to have conversations about relationships so deeply, but um, he shared some very interesting perspectives on relationship. Coot is extremely wise um, and he has such a pure heart. Enjoy this episode and be free and you'll hear at the end, but go play. And thank you so much. Um, make sure to hit subscribe, hit the thumbs up. And also please let us know in the comments uh, what you liked and what you're interested in. It really helps us to know what kind of shows uh, that you guys are into so we can make more of them. You know, I found out about you. I was um, I was at a retreat at the beginning of the year uh, in Mexico, and it was very interesting retreat. And there was a girl there that had been to your 10 day, 10 or 11 day, 12 day Bali retreat. Oh, Oh, wow. And she was awesome. She was, I think she was Russian name. I think her name is Nina. (laughs) Nina. (laughs) You remember? I know Nina. Okay. Blonde, long, blonde Blonde. hair. She's intense. She's amazing. Totally. And she was, she was amazing. I really connected with her. She was great. And she told me that if I wanted to go on an amazing retreat where if you really wanted to know your truth, if you really wanted to dive deep, go to one of his retreats. So I started, started following you then. And I get (laughs) what she's saying. So like when she says that, what does that mean? Like, what does she, what is she implying? What's the, what's the situation and what, why would she say that? Why would she say that? Um, I'm known for the sort of intensity of my work. I'm just on a logistical kind of level, you know, it's, it's, the retreats I do are immersive in such a way. Like typical retreats, you go, you have a schedule, it's nine to five, you know what the itinerary is going to be. Uh, even retreats to like Mexico or Bali, or what have you, you go and, you know, you have your seminar time and then you have your swim time, your pool time, your gym time, your, you know, your, your, your hanging out at cenote time, your walking <laughs> in the jungle time. The kind of events I do, uh, I'm immersive in such a way where I, am, I unplug you from everything familiar, and I take away all those places that you typically might hang or hold onto for a sense of yourself. And so, for instance, you don't know, you don't even know where the hotel is. You don't, you get picked up at the airport. You don't know where you're going. You don't know how long the days are. You don't know what the schedule is. You don't know anything about anything about anything other than you're showing up to, let's say, in this case, Bali, and it starts on this day, it ends on this day. But apart from that, you don't know when you're going to eat. I, uh, I unplug you from your cell phones, your iPads, your internet, everything, and you just show up on day one. It, it, it's profound. It's really profound. I mean, we think we're free. You know, many times, oh, I'm so free. But the moment we take away someone's iPhone and someone's, you know, title and someone's makeup and someone's clothing and, you know, all of that stuff, uh, all of our shit comes up. And so, so much of our sense of ourselves and our sense of our uh, freedom 
is based on external factors. And so my work is really designed to unhook you from your own patterning and patterns mm. in an experiential way. Like you can read about stuff and I've written books, but you can read about stuff. But I say information by itself is, is not enough because there's many things that we, we know we should do and we shouldn't do. And most of us, we read about it. We know it. Most of us could even write books about it. It's our, it's, it's our pattern of conditioning right, that stops us from being able to integrate and embody it in our being, in our mental, emotional, psychological, psychic, energetic. Okay, people, I got to come clean. For years, my whole career was focused on reaching the destination faster than anyone else. But somebody once said, it's the journey, not the destination that means the most. And that's why today I'm all about appreciating the good things, the good moments we all experience in our day, making time for the small things. It's about living a life that's positively good, slowing down and enjoying the simple things like good foods, chunky guacamole. It's only made with simple ingredients, fresh Haas avocados, tomatoes, cilantro, and fresh lime juice. So it always tastes great. Good Foods Chunky Guac is quick, simple, and easy. So grab a Good Foods Guac from your local grocery store so you have more time to savor the moments in your day. Body, so to speak. And so for me, it's, it's about the experiential processes that I take people through that, that unhinge you from your pattern and conditioning. So it's so an unconditioning you, process. Yeah. So are you trying to trigger people or are you just trying to change the pattern and make them more present by not having them know what's coming next and forcing them into a different sort of um, mental space? Like where yeah, I'm not trying to necessarily like intentionally trigger people, mm-hmm. but 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 I think when you put people in an environment of the unfamiliar mm-hmm. and the unknown, mm-hmm. naturally. Uh, a lot of the unresolved fears and stuff will tend to rise to the surface that we have been able to hide and mask in our TikTok everyday lives of routines and habits that we can, you know, control. And so let, let, let's, let's, let me just explain it this way. It's really, you know, we're so addicted and attached to our sense of self as this ego structure that we believe ourselves to be. I'm Koo, I'm Nina, I'm Danica, I'm Jennifer, and this is me. And so we have this very rigid and tight holding, holding grip on our sense of meanness. I'm not enough. I'm unlovable. I'm not beautiful. I'm not this. I'm not that. I'm not intelligent. I'm never, and, and so with this combination of beliefs and stories and emotions and patterning and energetics that we've held onto from our past, we hold onto this we, we identify and hold on to this pattern as a version of ourselves. And we think that this version of ourselves that we have become is who we really are. Mm-hmm. And the degree to which we hold on to that version of Danikaness or Kootness or Johnness is the degree to which we're not free to truly live authentically, truly live in the moment, truly be in the now, the present moment, because to truly be in the now is the ability to respond authentically in the moment to what is arising rather than from the conditioned unconscious responses from our past. And so as children, we are, shall we say, we're born free. You know, you look at a child. Yeah. A child is, you know, we're alive, right? We're, you look into a child's eyes, a child is, they're in touch with the divine. They're in touch with their essence. And I think that's where when we look into a child, we melt because we are reminded of our own divinity. We're reminded of what we were once. So what the hell happens? You know, we were these bright beings. We would jump on a table and sing and shout. And we didn't care if we didn't sound like, you know, Mariah Carey or Bruno Mars. We ran naked and we didn't care. Like, I got a few roles, right? Uh, what do I look like on Instagram? I'm not, you know, slim enough. I'm too fat. We were just being, letting it all hang out. We pooped when we felt like pooping. Yeah. We cried when we felt like, we were just being pure essential light, the light that we were. So what the hell happens that begins this self-contraction? The first thing is we incarnate into this human experience. We meet our parents, 
they're just doing the best that they can do based on their upbringing and their conditioning and their childhood. So we're born into kind of a preset uh, pattern of conditioning based on parents, based on culture, society, religion, ancestral patterns and addictions and conditioning that's been unresolved. So now we're born into this framework that we're condensed into. And maybe dad was an alcoholic or mom had mental health issues, or maybe they were fighting all the time. So there was, or maybe they were nice people, but they didn't know how to meet our emotional needs. And so now, and that was painful. So now there's some level of dysfunction, trauma, or pain that we experience, you know, as children. And so often unconsciously, because we're these sensitive beings, two things happen. The first thing is we begin to learn how to shut down, disconnect, and not feel as a way of survival, the pain that's going on around in our environment. Wow, it's really painful to not have my needs met, and that really hurts, and I feel helpless. So let me just, it's too painful to feel that, so let me just numb that. Let me shut that down. Let me disconnect. And so the first thing is all of the sort of unprocessed, unfelt, suppressed emotions, anger, pain, hurt, fear, we, we suppress it, we suppress it, we suppress it. Those layers begin building up. And our true authentic light, our true authentic beingness, our true authentic essence is always there, whether we're aware of it or not. It just kind of gets hidden and clouded underneath the layers of unprocessed emotion. And now we're wondering, well, why do I feel heavy? Why do I feel depressed? And so we also start learning a way of being in the world to a defense mechanism. We erect walls in our heart. We we go into our mind, become so overly analytical, disconnect from our feelings, our bodies, as a way to, again, not feel the pain. So that, that way of self-protection that we unconsciously learn in response to what's going on, we then become that version of ourselves and we hold tightly to that version of ourselves to survive to function, and ultimately to never feel that pain again. That holding on becomes a positionality of control, or we, we can call it ego, and we hold on to that as a way to never feel that pain again. It worked for us when, when we were five. Now we're 10, now we're 20, now we're 25, now we fall in love, and our heart opens, and we're like, no, I'm, never gonna, I'm not going to open my heart so I don't feel that helpless or that pain Again, and so that self-contraction that we've learned to become, to function and survive, we learn a strategy to get love, validation, and approval. Like, who do I need to be in order to, to be loved by my dad? For me, I thought I needed to be the perfect son, the good one, the good boy, get all A's, you know, take care of everyone, take care of my mother, never cry, suck it up, be independent. And this is... Take over my father's church, which we can get into. But, but you know, we develop all sorts of roles and masks and personas that we present to the world in order to get love, validation, and approval. So between avoidance of pain and the self-defense mechanism that we erect and the personas and masks that we were, we end up contorting ourselves into a particular shape. We end up contorting ourselves into a particular condition, construct, pattern that we think is who we are. We hold tightly onto that. That gets reinforced by society, life, those around us. And we end up holding so tightly to that that there's no freedom. And we end up thinking this is who we are. We're just basically conditioned. We're conditioned and we hold so tightly. And so we could say that is ego. That's what ego is. The sense of what we identify and perceive ourselves to be. And the degree to which we're conditioned, the degree to which we're holding on, the degree to which we think that that's what we are, is the degree to which we're not free. We're not free to love and truly be in the now and respond from what's what's really there. We're not, you know, so much of our potential that we feel inside gets trapped inside of the pattern and the prison of our conditioning, you know. And so, and so that tends to get reinforced by the life that we live. And that's why... When I unplug people from their typical life that is reinforcing that pattern of conditioning, <sighs> it, it, it starts triggering. It starts loosening that grip that we're used to holding on to for a sense of Safety. this is me, right? Yeah. This is who I am. And, and so we have to question. So, so what that stirs in people is questioning, well, this is who I am, who I really am. I'm like, oh, this is just who I am. I'm just this way. But is who I am who I really am, or is it just who I've been conditioned to be? And we begin to realize that the version of ourselves that we 
think we are is really just ego. And ego mm-hmm. is not good. It's not bad. It's yeah. just a vehicle yeah. to function in this lifetime. That's, yeah, it's information. Yeah, exactly. And so it leads me to the question of this attracting the same pattern of a person to awaken us to our patterns. Like when we, when we find ourselves in the same pattern with the relationships or with work or whatever your sort of trauma and your places that you're more stuck and we attract that we actually want the opposite, but we keep attracting what our pattern is. And can you explain that sort of mirroring that happens in life to show us where we're not free? Yeah, I think we tend to attract that energetic pattern because inside of us is also that incomplete energy. Mm -hmm. And so that attraction, there's an impulse inside of us that is seeking, unconsciously seeking to complete what is not complete from, let's say, our childhood or an old relationship. And so we attract often that energy of what's incomplete. And so let's say in relationships, I like to say that we attract to us a person people, a person, whether it's romantic or not, we attract to us a person that tends to be a mirror manifestation of ourselves. We attract to us a person that mirrors to us our unresolved issues, our unresolved patterns, those aspects of ourselves that need to be integrated, faced, to be healed, to be released, to be forgiven, to be let go of. And we attract that person in order to face those parts of ourselves because ultimately there is no relationship out there there's really a relationship out there that's a projection of our own consciousness within ourselves. And so we are in relationship in the seeming form of another person with ourselves. <laughs> and so I think when we can really see that, oh, shit, there's not really anyone out there. Because what we try to do is we point the finger out there. We make it about the other person. We try to change the other person. And we don't change ourselves. Ego, right, whose job is to reinforce our existence Ego, whose beautiful job is to keep us safe and protect us from getting hurt again. Ego wants everyone else to change and not to change. We want everyone else to change and not to change. And that is the sort of self-reinforcing mechanism and intention of ego. Uh, Because the fear of, oh, shit, if I change, if I change or my perceived sense of self change, then who will I be? And so change for ourselves, which is why we resist unconsciously, and it's a beautiful intention, change feels like a a death to Mm -hmm. who I am. You're letting an aspect of you that you've held on so tightly to fall, drop, fall away, dissolve. Yeah. Yeah. So Rumi said, in order to be free, you must die before you die. You know, and I think when we when we can realize that we are not that set of pattern of conditioning. When we can realize, well, I'm conditioned, I'm not that pattern of conditioning. It's not who I am. I'm not that, that what I am is really beyond that. Mm-hmm. Then, And then as we start to observe that pattern of conditioning, another layer of freedom starts opening up because as we can observe that pattern of dance and conditioning that we are, there's, there's a bit of space between what we perceive ourselves to be and what we are. And in that space is a tremendous freedom because then in that space, we have choice. In that space, we can change that that pattern of conditioning. But also in that space, when we can observe ourselves doing that conditioned dance that sometimes is self-destructive, that sometimes can be painful, we are able to begin seeing, or hopefully, the underlying let's say, positive intention for the condition pattern, which is survival, which is keeping us safe. And for me, in that awareness, empathy can begin rising. Mm. Like, oh, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not sabotaging because I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm I'm an idiot or I'm lazy. Mm -hmm. I'm not closing my heart and destroying this relationship necessarily because I'm a bad person. It's like, I'm afraid, you know? And when we can start seeing that, and, and shift our relationship to ourselves in that pattern. And, and we can sort of evoke empathy and compassion within ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then we can begin holding ourselves, right, with that compassion and empathy. That's when that, that sort of 
defense egoic mechanism can start relaxing a bit. And that's when opening, that's when letting go, that's when surrender can start happening because there's a feeling of safety. And so it's really uh, like healing is the willingness to apply loving to those parts of ourselves that are hurting, you know, and that's, and that's, I think that's the beginning of healing. And so I think relationships in so many ways, back to your question, uh, are a profound mirror to us of where we are in our own consciousness, the profound feedback mechanism to show us who we are and where we are and what needs to be healed, you know? And I think that's the, the gift and, and the purpose of relationship as we're here as souls to grow and learn and evolve, you know? So we can use relationships to just see where we're at. And since we can't change what's out here and we can change what's in here, we can start looking at, okay, what what is this person? What is this situation? What is this relationship? reflecting to me about myself mm-hmm. what is this showing me about myself how, how, you know how, how are they me yeah information like some people say ah that person's out of integrity that person's a liar that person's this that person's that you can't change them but the fact that i'm triggered the fact that you're triggered is reflecting something that is incomplete inside of yourself in we some don't way see things as they are we see things as we are exactly yeah. over and over again so i'm very curious about relationships um I'm, partly because i've been through a yeah. few and yeah. i'm i don't i'm not in one right now and so they i find them quite fascinating but with the idea that especially in an intimate relationship, I mean, our family and our intimate relationships are the things that are going to trigger us the most, the most. The most they hit the hardest. They mean the most to us. They, they tap into so such deep insecurities and, you know, hidden, hidden places that we're holding onto so tightly. So if those, especially in a, in a, we, you know, we can't change our parents, but with a, with a, with an intimate relationship, if they're showing us that as a mirror to show us where we're, where we're not healed, I'm very curious if this is supposed to be something that we stay with forever, or if this is actually perhaps a flawed concept. And maybe at some point in time, when we lived to 30 or 40 years old, that was fine, but we live to a hundred now. And so is that the way that we should look at relationships? Um, because there's such a perspective on relationships ending as a failure. Yeah, I really don't believe that um, the way we hold relationships now with this concept of success about being forever and ever and ever and ever, I think is is a limited perspective. Um, because if we understand the real purpose of life and the real purpose of relationship, we attract someone because on some level, we and that person are a vibrational match in that particular moment. And there's lessons to learn as we're talking about in that particular moment. And they're mirroring something to us in that particular moment of our evolution. So they're a mirror of ourselves in that moment. And so as souls, we incarnate into this human experience in order to to learn, to grow, to evolve. Life is a school and every relationship and every experience is part of that curriculum. And so if we really start seeing life as a evolutionary process, for our soul's evolution, then we start understanding that relationship is one of the the most um, evolutionary quickening vehicles in the school of life. (laughs) Then we start seeing relationships in a different context that the purpose of relationship isn't just to, you know, feel good and get unmet needs met and go on vacation and get some roses and, you know, go, go, go. Go, yeah, go swimming together and go to the movies. That the real purpose of relationship is your evolution, the evolution of your soul, and the degree to which you learn the lessons for why you attracted that person into your life, and the degree to which you not only learn those lessons but realize your true nature and become through the vehicle of that relationship become the most authentic version of yourself possible to me that is the purpose of relationship so if you understand that that's the purpose of relationship then you also won't be shocked or surprised when shit comes up because shit has to come up that no longer serves from your shadow from the past from childhood and everything that is not love 
has to come up. Everything that is not or cover all those layers that have been covering your authentic nature has to come up in the context and crucible of relationship in order to be healed, in order to be released, in order to be let go of, in order for you to connect more with what you are. And so when shit comes up with that understanding, you're able to not run away, but you're able to say, okay, let me consciously work through this so I can heal through this. And as I heal through this and learn this lesson, step more into who I am and be free. And now from that place of freedom, then that will often affect the other person. Because if you're in a joint dynamic, then as you shift, either, either they will shift because the energy has shifted between you or the previous patterns that used to piss you off and trigger you, you'll just experience them differently and or the dynamic will shift so much. And if the other person doesn't shift, then you will just vibrate and shift out of that current relationship. And so as a result, you will know when a relationship is complete, when you've learned the lesson and there's no more growth, when you are no longer growing and evolving together in a similar pace, in a similar vibratory frequency, in a similar direction, in a similar energy, and you're growing and let's say the other person is no longer growing in the same way, the, the, and the other person is not willing to grow also because the willingness is a key factor. Let's just say then you're no longer in a relationship, even if you are in a relationship. Right. Even if you're in the relationship, like we're married, but we're not growing, we're not evolving, we're not deepening because the purpose of relationship is evolution. And so even if you are in a challenging relationship, if there's love there, if there's empathy there, knowing our shit's going to get triggered. If there's the understanding that we are here to serve each other's souls and we can do that compassionately without, you know, killing each other. We can do that with, with sensitivity because we're holding each other's hearts. So we have that understanding that this is a yoga. This is a yoga together. This is a spiritual practice. Even if difficult things come up, then with that commitment, so long as two people have that commitment to do that work together, even if it's difficult, you have a relationship. Sure. And that's how you can keep evolving together. And so long as you're continuing to evolve and grow together, then there's the possibility to stay together forever in this lifetime, in this dimension. Then there's a possibility. But just because you break up, you know, I think there's this idea of, oh, I broke up, so I failed. Sometimes your breakup is 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 the graduation, is the completion right. that you've you've completed your lesson, you've completed your karma, you've completed what you need to learn, and the classroom is done. And so let's 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 celebrate that. You know, let's celebrate the the success of the intended purpose of that particular relationship. And, and I think when we shift our context, then we can allow relationships to, to be what they're meant to be. And we can allow them to fulfill their highest destiny without trying to make something into something that it necessarily isn't. Sure, sure. Yeah. And I've also, maybe a perspective I've had is it seems also like if you heal a sort of pattern or dynamic within a relationship by not reacting in the same way that you used to, you also don't feed into their need for your reaction because you are a part of the puzzle with them. And that if you don't react the way that you used to, now they're not getting what they need either. So it's not just you growing, it's them too. It's that they can't see the pattern. And so I, what I'm hearing you say is that it's, it's not just a pattern or lesson that you meet this person to realize and heal and grow from, but you can have, you can have a lifetime of these layers. If there's love and if you're both committed to doing the work that it, there are enough lessons within that soul for you to go on and on for a lifetime. Is that what you're saying? Possibly, possibly, but not always, because I think some relationships karmically and some relationships, the purpose is a specific purpose. And sometimes that purpose is to serve you into, it's like graduating from high school and high school was amazing, 
and it's complete. Just because high school was amazing, your teacher was amazing, your friends were amazing, it doesn't mean like, let's stay in this forever. It's like, <laughs> we're complete now, let's go to university because that's the next evolution. But I, but I don't want to go to university. <laughs> but sometimes that's just the next evolution. So I think some, I think part of it is we often have, from the ego's perspective, we often have this idea of this has to be the person. This has to be the one. Right. The, I know. Then, I've done that so many times. <laughs> I've been there. It's like oh. that we project onto that person that is going to be what we think it's going to be. Yeah. And the ego doesn't really know what it's going to be. But the soul knows. The soul has a deeper intelligence. And so I really believe that when we can go into a relationship and be, be more committed, not just to the person, but be more committed to the evolution and be more committed to learning the lesson and growing together. And then truly be, because then if you do that, no matter what happens and the outcome, you can never fail. No matter what happens, you always win together so long as you're committed to the evolution. That's that's the first thing. And, and I think when we can go into a relationship and rather than like projecting like, this is what it's going to be. Like it's going to be, the amount of times, Danica, I've been in a relationship friend in love with an amazing woman i'm like she's the one i'm gonna make it happen and it wasn't like i'm like what the hell happened and, and now you know and when it broke up i was heartbroken i was devastated never gonna find love again God, i'm cursed by the universe you know it's karma from a past life now i look back at those relationships and i think to myself thank god that didn't work out Thank yeah. God it didn't work yeah. out. But sometimes in the moment we're not able to we're not able to see it, you know. So I think some relationships are meant to serve a very specific function in our soul's evolutionary journey. Yeah. And sometimes that function is truly only three months. Sometimes that you know it's like sometimes that function is really only a year to move us to that next phase. Mm -hmm. It's like you know, in sports, this is not the best analogy. You might have to help me out here. But, like, you know, I'm not a – I grew up in London, so I grew up with soccer. But I think in foot, American football, they have, like, that guy who comes on and all he does is, like, kicks the yeah. field goal. Yeah. Kicker. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's all he does is just kick that field goal. But he doesn't play anything. No, he doesn't throw the ball. He, no, he just comes on and kicks. That's his, that's his entire job. Mm -hmm. So I think there are some souls that we have – a connection to that their entire job is to serve a particular function for us to see to prepare us for the next level and that's it yeah. that's it and yeah. so i think when we can go into a relationship in a, in a state of understanding and openness then we are more able to allow the relationship to be what it is then i think we'll be more able to allow the highest intention of a relationship, the highest purpose of that relationship to reveal itself. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, my prayer in relationship and all relationship, romantic or friendship now is universe. I ask for the highest intention of this relationship to be revealed. That is, that is my request. Less about, I hope, make this the person, make this the one. Like, show me the highest intention of this relationship. And if that is forever, I'm open to that, you know. And, and so I think then we were able to live in surrender. And I think that's when the true fulfillment of the purpose of that relationship can blossom. And then we can uh, experience it for what it's meant to be. Yeah. yeah. Do you sometimes... Do you sometimes get into those prayer states? I'm speaking from my own experience. Say, <laughs> oh man, do I really mean this this time? I kind of need a break, but I'm here for the highest good of what for my soul's evolution. And you're like, <laughs> oh, it can get so hard. It's something. Do you have those human moments? It's hard. It's sometimes hard. You know, I wrote a book about surrender. And Danica, let me tell you, when you write a book about surrender. Right. The magic of surrender, right? The universe kicks your ass. And, <sighs> and, and, and I have been in an intense crash course on the nuances and the angles of surrender in a way that I really didn't imagine. You know, mm -hmm. I really didn't imagine. And it's been like, very humbling. It's been really humbling. Can you share some? Do you have some examples? Wow. You yeah. Like, like, like I was writing the book in 2019 before COVID. Mm hmm. 
before COVID. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to write this book on surrender. <laughs> well, first it wasn't the book I wanted to write. And oh. I had an agenda to write. The like, no, 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 no. I had We're an agenda to. going to 2020. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so right as I'm finishing the book, COVID hits. It's like, bam. And so here I am being on the road, you know, 150, 60 days a year uh, doing events. Boom, entire business shut down, like for many of us. But being on the road, my entire business shut down, boom, grounded to a halt. And Done. lifestyle. Everything. Everything. And life, everything. Everything. And everything I put my, you know, like life and purpose and just heart and soul, everything. This was it. And so, boom, okay, brought me to my knees. I was in LA for 20 years. LA was my like, my, I was LA through and through. My identity was LA. Okay. Um, let go of my office in LA. It was heartbreaking. Let go of my apartment in LA. Couldn't imagine not living in LA. I had a house in Phoenix, oh, a small house in Phoenix. Yeah. I'm in Are you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I had, a, I had a house there for like a couple of years that I didn't know why I was buying this place, but I would go there once a month for a week, do some writing. So I basically moved to Phoenix, which was a, oh. bit, a, bit, of, a bit of a culture shock from LA. It is. I'll help you out. Um, we should and, grab coffee. <laughs> but it, it gets better because I was in Phoenix. Uh, so so it felt like I was uprooted from everything I knew. Uh, here I'm in Phoenix, knowing no one. And then <laughs> fall madly in love with the woman I thought I was going to marry and be with and had visions in the cosmos and the universe <laughs> and downloads like this is her. So we were exciting. together. Boom. Six months later, over brings me to my knees, like, you know, brings me to my knees. So that prayer about the highest good, you're talking about, it's like, okay, the highest good. But hey, wait a second, this isn't the highest good I had intended, you terrible. know. It, it, it felt terrible in the moment. Um, so, so humbling, because it was like the universe saying again, you thought you knew, but you don't. You thought you were in control, but you've never been. Life has always been. And so it was a really profound, humbling moment again. And so here I'm in Phoenix thinking, okay, I'm going to camp out in Phoenix. Now I get this calling to go visit Miami. Just just uh, go visit for five days. Cut a long story short. I end up in Miami. I end up going back to Miami. I end up selling my house. I end up being guided to sell my house in Phoenix. Boom. End up moving to Miami. Boom. Now I think, I, I think I'm getting this together. You know, the surrender thing. I'm going to live in Miami. It's a new start, new energy. Miami's popping. It's happening. Miami all the way. Now I'm in Miami for a year. A year later, my lease is up. I feel the strong guidance. Leave Miami. Back to LA. So I do this full circle. Then it gets all the way back to LA within two years. And it just felt like, you know, my team members shifting, my assistant shifting, all of these things happening. That brings me right back to the beginning. And it just felt like a profound surrender. And so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. I, it reminds me of the book, the alchemist and my takeaway from the book, the alchemist, have you read that? I have. Um, Is it, is exactly that is that we think that our life should be this linear, this is some, some kind of linear experience where one thing leads to the next, but really in the book, it showed me how a to B actually takes all the way around to get there because it's still the fastest way because you had to know all of that to get to the next step. And so, so it sounds like that was what happened. It was, you know, I think the, the lessons and the evolution that I went through Mm -hmm. along the way, you know, to me, it's who we become in the process. And so the evolution and the lessons in the deepening within myself, I realized was the necessary preparation for the next level of my purpose that I couldn't have, I couldn't have gone through and evolved through unless I went through those uh, intense sort of stripping away. And so well, what is that? Then? Yeah. What is that? Yeah. Was it finishing the book? Is it something else? What is that? What I mean, you, I, 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 I think you realize I, about yourself. You know, I, in so many ways, it was just, it was another level of surrender. Okay. And it was another level of, because I think the next level of our lives, the next level of our purpose requires the next level of us, yeah. which totally. means we have to let go 
of who we've been. And who we've been has served us to this place of death. Who we've been has served us to this moment. Mm -hmm. But I think to truly, you know, when I look at the great ones, and I think we all have the capacity for that in Mandela and Martin Luther King and Gandhi, you know, we all have that capacity. They showed us the possibility. And when I look at them, they all surrendered themselves so completely to life and being used by life that in their surrender, they transcended themselves and life began to manifest through them. Life began to use them. Life began to speak through them. And through that, life did the work through them as vehicles, you know. And maybe they had no idea what was going to unfold, but life knew and life had that intelligence. And so for me, I feel that preparation for that next level, which I'll be honest, I, you know, I have senses of what that is going to be, uh, but not completely. And so I think for the first time in my life, I am really embracing not knowing, mm. you know, that doesn't mean I'm sitting there doing nothing, you know, but I'm really just embracing, like, I don't know, I'm, but I'm completely like my prayer now, Danica is universe I am open and available to being used and of service for the highest good. I'm open to being like, use me for the service of the highest good of humanity. Yeah. And, 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 and it's become less about, okay, this is what I want. This is what I want. Here are my goals. And it's become more about feeling what is life? What is the divine? What is the universe? What is what is the deepest impulse of what life is seeking to express through me now? What is the deepest impulse of what life is seeking to manifest through me now? And doing my best to attune to that and feel that and, 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 and align Kut, my personality, with this movement of what life is seeking to express, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and it's, it's, I have senses, I have definite feelings. And so I think when we surrender in that way, we transcend ourselves. And I think when we do that, we transcend our personal power. We transcend our egos. We tap into another dimension of life, another dimension of the universe. And like that's when we tap the magic and life begins to live us more. Life begins to move through. Life begins to manifest to us more. And I think that's when that miracles can kind of happen. You know? Well, the the name of the book is The Magic of Surrender. So that's when the magic happens. Yes. But like, this is something that just came to mind. I see things kind of visually, yeah. um, but it's almost like when we are who we think we're supposed to be, we can only be that one thing. And we're not that we are not able to, we're only that we walk through life in a silo that is yes. not as impactful, but when we dissolve the ideas of what we think we're supposed to be, we now actually become Open. a portal for, for more people to work through us and, and be affected in a positive way. And we can, we have that sort of like, it's almost like we can create alchemy with people yes, where yes. when we think we're one thing, we are only that one thing and it's a narrow existence. But when we get rid of that, now we can be everything for everybody. And it's so much bigger. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, in, in the surrender, like there's this idea that if we truly surrender, we're giving up, we're going to be taking the, advantage of where we won't manifest our goals dreams our limited idea of what we think we're going to live our goals dreams and desires but you know what i'm feeling and seeing in my own life and what i've what i've seen and experienced with those around me is when we surrender what if we got more you know like surrender is to really like take the limits off of life because from the perspective of the mind and the personality and the ego we're only able to see a very limited perspective of the tapestry of life and the possibilities of life. And it's like looking at a painting, but we're seeing the corner of the painting, but we don't see the whole painting itself. And, and so many times from the perspective of the ego and the I, like, what do I want? Uh, what we think we want is just what we think we want based on who we think we are. 
and it's limited. And so sometimes we get what we think we want. We manifest what we thought we wanted from the level of the ego only to be dissatisfied. And, and so I think when we truly take the limits off of life, then we're, then we're available. Then we're open. Then we're not holding on like it has to be this. I have to be that. So I think it's part of surrender is, is like if you surrender, what if you got what if you got more? What if you got more than you could even imagine for yourself? What if you got more than you could even visualize and 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 contextualize and write in your journal? Like sure. to me, life is bigger than us, you know. And so things can flow so fast too. Like when you get out of the way of your ideas and you are in alignment. That's the key. I don't know about you, but I, I've I've had so many experiences where all of a sudden plans will change to make my life better in simple ways that yeah. I could have never done, like people canceling something so that I could do this other thing or things that I could have never arranged. And you're like, and they can happen on this level. And they can also happen on really yeah. macro levels that affect your entire life and your trajectory. Yeah. Um, but can you explain the energetics of that grasping and of that um, uh, attachment and the path, like we're talking about the power of the surrender, but I want to go into the other side of it to understand what it feels like when you're not surrendering, what what's happening. Why? Cause I, I mean, I've had experiences again, um, where I'll want something, even something kind of simple, like, Oh, just, Oh, I wonder if this person's going to call me or something. And then all of a sudden I let go and not like, Oh, well, but like, I truly in my heart, I feel it. And I'm like, they're probably busy. It's not a big deal. I'll hear from them. And then all of a sudden, like the, it just, boom, I hear from them right away. I mean, that's just a simple, silly example, but, but this sort of grasping at something. And when you truly let go, just, can you explain the energy? Yeah. I, I think the grasping, you know, we kind of touched on it, but comes from that egoic sense, right? And and the ego is seeking our perceived sense of self to keep us safe, to avoid pain. And so there's this idea that we mistakenly have that if our ego, if I can control my feelings, control how you perceive me, if I can control everything, then I'm going to be safe. You know, then I won't get hurt again, which is why we grasp which is why we tend to, to control everything because it's beautiful intention, but it's, it's, it's going to drive us crazy, anxiety, frustration, fear. And so in that grasping is tightness. In that grasping is contraction. It's like in that grasping is imagine you just go through life holding your breath, you know, and you're spiritually constipated, so to speak, and you're just holding on. It's like life can't flow. Energy can't flow. The universe can't flow. And so blessings might come through energetically, but they're kind of like a stone. They'll just bounce off of you versus just being open. And so I think when we let go of that grasping and we're available and we're open, to me, part of success is not just about hard work with a closed fist, but it's about openness and availability. Because when we're open and available, energy flows energy circulates, life is able to flow, then we're also in a much more available state, a receptive energetic state to receive. You know, when we're grasping and holding on, we come from the, the standpoint of force, not flow. And when we're in force, it's like we're trying to make something happen that may not be what it's meant to be and trying to make something into something that it's not, doesn't make it so. And so when we're holding on and gripping tightly, trying to make something into something, but life might be trying to take us in a different direction. And so when we're holding on so tightly, sometimes we end up missing the flow of where life is going because we're so busy holding on to that rock when the river's already going that way. So, so part of surrender is taking the limits off. Part of surrender is allowing. Part of surrender is availability. Part of surrender is the openness to say, okay, well, to allow, I think when we let go of that grasping of who we think we should be, often based on our conditioning, and the way we think our life should be based on our conditioning, and many of our goals are sometimes projections of unmet needs from our childhood, you know? And so when we let go of that grasping, totally. then we're like, then we can allow, then the energy of life 
that is authentically moving, then we can allow the authentic movement of life of what our life is seeking to be, that intelligence that's inside that knows, then then we can allow what life is authentically seeking to reveal to unfold. Mm. And there is an innate intelligence inside of us. It's inside of us already. There's that that, that what flow. Is that? What is that? I mean, look, that let, intelligence? let's just talk biologically for a second. Let's not even be spiritual. Just <laughs> cut, cut your finger. Yeah. Something, I don't whatever you want to call it, that innate intelligence, it knows how to heal. Yeah. You and I, we, we don't have to sit here, oh, cut my finger. Shit, Dan, I could cut my finger. I got to pray about it. Got to do some special mantra. Got to do some visualization. I have to be a good person. You could be Pablo Escobar. El Chapo, it doesn't matter. You don't have to be Mother Teresa. Just cut your finger. The innate intelligence, life, knows how to heal. And so I think we've kind of disconnected from that. You know, we've forgotten that. We've gotten so busy, distracted, conditioned, that we've lost touch with this innate intelligence that's inside of us. And we've begun to override it. So I think if we can just even bring ourselves back into relationship to the body, and just feel, just simply, maybe just start by feeling the breath. Like, mm. sounds simple, basic, but what is that? Like, we're having this conversation, and you're, you and I, we're not sitting here, all those listening, we're not sitting here going, I have to breathe. I have to, like, I have to, I have to really, I have to breathe really deep. I have to, I have to breathe. It's just, it's just happening. In, in spite of us, there's an effortlessness to the breath that is happening. You know, you ate this morning or this afternoon, lunch, breakfast, and something is digesting your food. Mm -hmm. And there is an intelligence, this innate intelligence. There are trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of cells in your body that are interacting and synchronizing and coordinating and mitochondria and eyes and liver and mm -hmm. colon. It's all just, it's all happening in spite of us, you know. And we don't trust life. We don't trust that 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 thing that is like there's a thing, whatever God yeah, define right. it. I don't care. Whatever label you want to call feeling. it, energy. Is that there's an energy that is functioning. You, me, eight billion people, the cockroaches, the tigers, the giraffes, the birds, all of existence. That you know, it's just it's happening without you and I. It's just unfolding the sun and the stars. So I think if we can just kind of be still and bring ourselves into relationship with the breath and just go, hmm, just like sit with that. Like, what is breathing right now? You know, what is doing that? And just even just meditate on it. Because when we do, when I know what I do, it's mind blowing. Like, mm -hmm. What the hell is that? Like something is, 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 is alive. And to me, that innate intelligence is the rhythm of life. You know, that innate intelligence is, is, unfolding life. My father was a really great, he is a great man, would say to me when I was a kid, when I would stress and worry a lot as a child, he would say to me, son, why, why are you worrying so much about everything? You're worrying about all these things, all these things. Why are you worrying so much? He would say, did you bring yourself here? Where Did you bring yourself to this planet? Did you bring yourself to this, to this existence? And I would say, well, no, I just showed up here. And he said, exactly. Mm. So, do you not think that whatever it is that brought you here, that it, this intelligence, does it not know how to unfold you? Do the trees struggle? Do the, do the fruit struggle? Do the, do, does, does the grass struggle to grow? It's like, do they? No. So why do you stress? And so I think we kind of trust, like I was joking to someone the other day, like we trust Siri more than we trust this intelligence, you know? And, and, and yet, if we just if we just observe ourselves and we just observe the nature of life like this, I'm looking at trees and I'm looking at the sky, I'm looking at the sun, it's like holy shit, like it's amazing. Yeah. But it is. But we don't pay attention to it. So what is this awareness to being aware that we're experiencing? If we're just energy and in we're kind of reacting to patterns. What gives us like, basically I'm getting to consciousness, like, yeah. and I'm curious about my, 
my most seeking question in life that I get <laughs> curious about every single day is I'm like, what is reality? Like, what are we, what is consciousness? Why am I able to be aware that I'm having thoughts? Like, what is that next tier? And I was also a little confused because I'm guessing you believe in reincarnation or not. Maybe well, I believe in reincarnation, you know, that's a, and that we I don't have, have a, then that we didn't choose, like you're you yeah. sharing the story about your dad and about, um, did you choose to come here? It's like, I'm curious about this sort of like package of consciousness, reality and, uh, evolution of souls or reincarnation, possibly it, it, where does that all fall? Like, what, what do you think of first when I mention all those things? You know, first I'll, I'll just say, you know, I have had experiences where I've been certain places and I felt like I have been here before. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like, oh, I've been here before. I've been here before. I've been here before. I was in Egypt. Been here before. I was in Japan. My mother's Japanese. Been here before. You know, in Brazil. Definitely been here before. Mexico. Been here before. And so I think it felt like, wow, if there was such a thing as past lives, and I've been here before. But can I prove it? Mm, no, I can't. I can't prove it. I mean, it's it's a concept. It's an idea that. I can, let's say, hold and play with uh, that might serve a moment within my consciousness in a moment, but I'm not necessarily attached to the idea that I am reincarnated, you know, and I was, let's say, you know, King Tutankhamun in a past life because let this, you know, everybody believes that Tutankhamun and when you talk about reincarnation, sure. wh why does no one ever say like, "Yeah, I was a trash collector in a bar?" Oh, of course, <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. And, like and, and every so, shaman tells you, or some like queen, yeah. uh, sir and, king. <laughs> and so I, I've I've had these experiences, but I'm not so necessarily attached to that. It's real, you know. I, I think on some level we are all consciousness, and at that level. We are all one. So at that level, I think we all have the experience of experiencing at that deepest level ourselves as everything. And so I think it's possible. That's our core. That's our yes. Core. Yes. I think at that deepest level, because that we are all that awareness itself, that one consciousness that there might be, and I'm not saying this is true, there might be moments when we experience, I was too in common. It's possible that someone else might experience, oh, I was too common, but it's being filtered through the ego and personality that we then hold on to. But it can't be like two people were too common, but that one consciousness was manifesting as right. that too common. That when you might have a flashback, it's just two seemingly individual personalities are tapping into the experience of that one consciousness. Does that make sense? Yeah, that and, aspect and, and, of consciousness that is aspect. tapping into that aspect. Yes. And so, like, there can't be 500 Elvis Presleys, but there, but but consciousness experiencing. Because for me, this whole thing, really, all of life is a manifestation of consciousness. Life, to me, is the a manifestation of consciousness expressing in the multiplicity of form. And so, ultimately, the experience for me is all of this is really a one woman, one man, one person show. And when I mean, at its core. It's a one meaning as, so as a one core, being, one, one, one energy, one, one conscious, one consciousness manifesting as me, as you, as Biden, as Donald Trump, as Putin, as, you know, Ukrainian president, as the Congolese kid, as Margaret Thatcher, one sure. consciousness playing all characters in this Maya illusion play of life, mm -hmm. in this apparent play in this simulation of life is one consciousness playing all of the roles simultaneously as itself, mm -hmm. experiencing itself. Mm -hmm. And so now as these characters, like it seems like that we are separate beings in this simulation and play, and we seem to take it separately. But I think part of two things, when the body drops and we this character dies, yep. then the curtain gets pulled back, we take off the mask, and then, ah, oh, we realize, ah, oh, there was only one of us really here. Or... We wake up, some people might call it enlightened liberation. We wake up in this lifetime and go, oh, there's not really a Danica over there. 
And there's not really a coot over here. There's just the apparent manifestation of consciousness playing Danica and playing coot. But really, what is Danica, what, what is looking out of those eyes and these eyes is really the same consciousness rising. And at the deepest level, there's a shared being that is one. And I think as we loosen that egoic grip, then we tap into that deeper dimension and access to the inherent oneness of all existence. And the more we do that, the more free we the more freedom we access that is always present and the more love there is. Because I think part of love is that recognition of that sheer oneness that we are, that there really is no separation. And I think that really essentially on some level is the process of life and the game that we're in to awaken in this plate. And so when I think when all, when the, when life is over and the curtain is pulled back, and all the characters take off their masks and we see like, oh shit, it was just one, this is one man show. It was a one woman show, consciousness playing all the characters. And you realize that the, the Oscar goes to the divine. The Oscar goes, the, the greatest performer of all existence was source, energy, consciousness. You know, and I think that to me is, 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 is the freedom. And what we're here to uh, awaken to, you know. And so, I forget your first question. No, yeah, you're so. answering them all. <laughs> I keep thinking of questions, and you keep answering it. Yeah. Because what I really want to boil it down to, because some of these are big questions that we really can't know. Yes. We might be able to kind of come to a knowing within us yeah. and what we feel to be true, but we're not going to find proof of this. I don't think this isn't yeah. part of the human experience. I think that's part of the mystery of being human. That's what makes this experience valuable and why we, um, why as a, as a, as an existence, as a human race, like why we're so interesting because we don't know. And that free will really gives us the choice. And within the choice, we now, um, can change that perception that source is experiencing through us, which is so powerful. But the ultimate real question is like, you know, what is this all for? What, what, why would that, why would, why would source want to experience itself in so many different aspects? What's the end game for that? I don't even know if I if I if I can even answer that. If I have words for that, you know, my simplest answer is I have no idea. I have no idea. You know, I think why not? For the play of it. Yes. Why, what? What? For the play of it. It's a play. You know, when you look at the word play, to play as a child, right? It's to play. But then you go to the theater to see a play. And it's, and I think you realize that this is a cosmic play being played. And so why not for the play of it, for the play of consciousness that is unfolding, you know, why, why not? So then what's your, what's your advice? If this is the, if this is the truth at completely at the singularity level, at the highest level of macro, what is your advice to all of us to how to step into that and how to live our life and what are some steps we can take? You know, one one thing that's helped me a bit is I used to look at life and, you know, life is hard. (laughs) Life is, life, life will beat you up and life is challenging and there's war and there's, you know, destruction and you look at the world it's like all this shit in the world and what is this craziness and so um i think for me what helped me is just understanding that this dimension is a three-dimensional realm of duality and this dimension is a world of interdependent polaric opposites that is the nature of life and this dimension is the 3d interdependent polaric opposite Yin, yang, up, down, good, bad, male, female, light, dark, you know, left, right, rich, poor. This domain is that. And when you can accept that this domain is that it's not meant to be, I don't think it's meant to be an ultimate blissful eternal utopia in this domain. 
the transcendental domain. That's not why we incarnated into this, you know, level of the simulation to experience that. And yeah. so when we can accept the three-dimensional dualistic nature of this domain and stop looking for perfection oh. here, yes, stop looking for perfection here, utopia here, it's like there's always going to be war and duality. It's the Tao, you yeah. know, in that Tao, there's the black and the, the white dot, the white and the black dot. Yeah. It, it, it's all contained in this domain. So when we can just accept it for what it is, that we incarnate into this dimension of existence that is limitation in order to 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 enter limitation the friction of life the experiences of life so that we can remember uh, the game the video game remember and access the freedom of our being inside of this to me that is part of that purpose to to enter limitation to experience and awaken to the unlimited that is within us. And through limitation, remember what we truly are in the limitation. To me, that's the freedom. And so when we can embrace this for what it is, then we don't resist what it is. We don't fight what it is. We don't expect it to be different. We don't, we judge less. We just embrace what it is more. And then I think we realize that the true source of wholeness and perfection and bliss and transcendental, you know, uh, awakening is not out here. It's in here. It's within us. It's in the depth of our being. And life forces us to access, like, the kingdom of heaven is within. Mm. So Jesus said it. Don't take it from the kingdom of heaven is within. He didn't say the kingdom of heaven is, you know, in a Lamborghini or in Beverly Hills. It's within right. You is anything I can do, you can do. He said, too. Anything I can do, you can do that and more and more. And so, I think he just showed us that that Christ consciousness is available within us, and that's where we can then access heaven on earth within ourselves. And so, I think when we can embrace that, the the way of the nature of this reality, then we start freeing ourselves in this reality to access that inner freedom within ourselves. And I think if you look at even the last couple of years that have been challenging for many of us, um, I think all of it is the, the universal impulse pushing us and, and, and challenging us to crack open, to let go of all those places we've held on to for a sense of freedom out here, to go deeper, to access the source of freedom inside so that when we go into the world, we can be free, mm. realizing that, Freedom is not something you get or retain. Freedom is what you are. It's your being. And to me, that that's kind of why we're here, you know. And so don't look for it out here. Look for it inside is oh. what I would say. Yeah. I think that's where they say, like, mic drop. That was so well said. I can't think of a better way to end it, honestly. Thank you. That was – I agree. And I, I think that's, that's, a, that's a beautiful perspective. Um, and so we should all go play now. Yes, play. You know, that's that's really when I got it's like, this is a play. Yeah. Let's play. And let's let's not take it like like take it seriously. Like when, when we go to the movies, we take it seriously. We do. We like we go, we watch, you know, uh, Tom Cruise or you know, uh Denzel or whoever. We, we watch them, we take it seriously. Mm-hmm. But we don't take it seriously. <laughs> but we take it seriously, <laughs> but we don't take it seriously. You know, and so I think that's grateful for that duality. We should be grateful for that paradox because it's in for again, it's it's information like the mirroring, the 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 duality, the 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 light, the dark, the good, the bad, the joyful, the miserable. It's information and how to grow. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. I'm so so glad that I'm so glad that Nina introduced me to you. And I'm so glad that we did this interview and um, you're going to continue to inspire so, so many people only at an increasingly um, faster rate all the time, I believe, because your message is so clear and so pure. Thank you. Thanks everybody for listening to the Pretty Intense podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard today and you want to hear more, please click on the subscribe button.